Jesus, Lord, we just um, come before you tonight, and we are um, so grateful. We're so thankful for your presence. We're thankful for this room where we can come here, where we can seek you, Lord, where we can um, gaze upon you, Lord, we can uh, spend many hours in the place of prayer and get our hearts uh, in alignment with you, um, transformed into your image and your glory. And Lord, we just thank you for the deep work that you're doing in each one of us. And we're so grateful. We just invite you here, even tonight, we just invite you to be right at the center of everything that's going on and that we would be in wonder. We would be in awe of what you are doing even right here among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have notes on the table, so if you didn't get them, you might want to grab, grab the notes. And this is the second message on the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, praying that each of you walk away with some nugget, maybe, that is helpful. So, um, just to review a little bit from last week. Um, by the way, I have a big stack of papers over here, and one of the stacks is notes from, like, old messages. So, feel free at any time to look through there and grab notes if you missed one or if you were like, oh, what, you know, what was the first message? It's probably over there in that stack. I uh, haven't thrown them away yet. So there's also worship songs is the other stack. So when worship leaders leave their songs on the uh, music stands, I don't throw them away. I just put them in this stack. And that way if they forget their music someday, they can go over to that stack and pull some songs out. So can be kind of helpful. But last time um, I spoke about how um, the Holy Spirit does a work in us and it's beyond just anointing us to carry out tasks. It's beyond that. He actually wants to reproduce Jesus in us. That's what the job of the Holy Spirit is. He wants to conform us and transform us into the image of Christ. So much so that Christ is living his life again through us to the world. And of course it's going to look different through each one of us because each one is made uniquely. And so the facet of like Jesus in us and through us to the world around us is going to be unique through each one of us. But he truly wants us to be so conformed to his image. But also he, he um, how do I say this? We become more who we are as we grow and get conformed into ima his image. We also become more who we are, if that makes sense. Like the way he uniquely created us and all the gifts and facets and beauty of that shines resplendently, brilliantly, the more we get conformed to his image. And so we don't all become cookie cutter, like we all look exactly the same, because that's not how he did it, you know? We're all a unique, I keep thinking of the example of 
flowers. You know how many different flowers there are? And each one of us are meant to bloom in full brilliance, but each one looks different, right? Each one has its own beauty and glory. And so that's, that's how we are too. And so um, a couple of these verses at the top, you know, are ones that you know, but ones that show us that he, Holy Spirit is doing more than just anointing us to do a work or he's doing more than just power through us. He actually wants us to be conformed to the image of his son, like Romans 8, 29. Um, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Like that's a very strong statement. It's a very strong statement to say, it's no longer me living. You know, if we think about that, I mean, it's such a quotable verse. Like, we love that verse. We quote it and everything. But we actually think about it. He's saying, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. That's powerful. And um, 2 Corinthians, you know, 3.18, you know, says that. Uh, but we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So when we look in the mirror, you know, we're seeing Christ. That's crazy, isn't it? Um, the Holy Spirit is the great artist of souls. And I like the book I'm reading. It's called The Sanctifier. Um, Luis Martinez loves to use this art, art language. And so, you know, how... God is the master artist, right? And the Holy Spirit is the great artist of souls as he sanctifies the soul. He causes them to look like Christ. Um, God has one ideal. It's the man Jesus, you know? And um, it encompasses the highest forms of beauty, right? He has one ideal. It's Jesus. And he's like, I want Jesus in you and through you. I want to see Jesus. Right, so the Holy Spirit is about making us into the image of Christ. Um, here's a quote from Luis Martinez. If man had but to accomplish a work of moral perfection according to his human nature, then human reason, a spark from the light of God, would be enough to direct the life of the Spirit. But the work that has to be accomplished in man, as we have already said, is divine. It is the reproduction of Jesus, the masterpiece of God. And for such an exalted undertaking, the direction of the Holy Spirit is necessary. Sanctity is impossible without this direction, as it's impossible to attain a finished and perfect work of art without the direction of the master. So I just, I like that quote because it's just interesting how he says that. You know, if we're just going for moral perfection, we wouldn't really need Holy Spirit on the inside of us. God could just, you know, give us a little spark, a light, a, a little bit of anointing or something. I don't know. But he said, to reproduce Jesus, we need God on the inside. And I don't, we think about how uh, Jim spoke on this. Thursday night, we were up there in Sacramento, but 
how powerful it is that he um, lives inside of us. And that's something that we just kind of can take for granted or not think about that much. You know, we hear it, we know it, but it's like God, the God who made <laughs> Jim did the, the thing where you basically give all of the, uh, not all of the, but many statistics from the galaxies, like how many how many stars are in a galaxy, how many galaxies are in this whatever. I mean, it was all this like astronomy um, facts and how huge the universe is with all of its facets. And it's like the God who created that lives in you. And it's like, what? You know, we actually think about it. It's super, super astounding. And so, and the whole purpose is he wants to reproduce his son. Um, paragraph B, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us permanently. He's not a transitory gift. Um, love comes to possess us. <laughs> That's in a good way. He establishes his residence in us permanently and intimately. He's not a visitor who stops by to say hello. He comes in to be united to our very souls, our innermost being coming into union with his spirit and forever changing our nature. Um, here's scripture for that, John 14. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. Um, paragraph C, the Holy Spirit is love. Love is irresistibly attractive. He allures and woos us and woos us in love. He enables us to overcome all difficulties. This is all by way of review still. And paragraph D, he reveals the Father, the God of heaven, who is in love with souls and desires to come down to them and unite himself with them in the deepest intimate, permanent union. So that is why we are in this room. <laughs> That's why we spend so many hours in here. It's because we're seeking God and we desire a union with him. And though we have a measure of that union the day we get saved, there's still something of um, the growth. Like, for instance, example would be um, like a pregnancy, you know, when there's a conception, you know, you have a baby, <laughs> but there's a process, right, of growth that happens to bring that baby to the place, full maturity, where it can be born, you know, and it's the same spiritually, like, yes, we get united with Christ the day we get born again, but there's a process, there's a process of growth and conformity to Christ, and there's a process we we are um, part of that process. God does his part, but we also have to do our part. And our part, a lot of our part, has to do with yielding to Holy Spirit and obeying. That's a lot of our part. Um, the more we yield, the more we're docile to the Holy Spirit, the more he can take us over. So that's a really key, super key um, point. So page two, um, I wanted to talk about the three 
what they call the theological virtues, which are faith, hope, and love. These are the three things that remain forever. Okay, so it's these three that um, that help us to to grow into this fullness, into this union. The theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, are the three eternal virtues that exist and they remain for all eternity. So they're they're very much part of who God is in His essence. You know. Um, they propel us in this life to give our heart without reservation, and they exist in the age to come in all their fullness when Christ is reigning on the earth. Um, Luis Martinez says that the delightful guest of our soul aspires to this union, and the mystery of it is co- accomplished by the theological virtues. So, um, and there's a scripture out of 1 Corinthians about how faith, hope, and love, these three um, abide forever, and how the greatest is love. So I just want to look a little bit at these three virtues and how they help us. Um, Faith, for instance, is the roadmap to the life in Christ. As scripture points out, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith gives us light in the darkness of the world. In this age, prior to seeing Christ, okay, faith is our eye gate. <laughs> we see on this side, before we're seeing him face to face, we see by faith because we believe. So we're seeing in our inner man, we see Christ by faith. And... Um, I believe that's true even in our spirit, you know, when we have a, a vision or whatever in our in our spirit man, in our inner man, um, internally, what is that? It's a manifestation of faith that we're seeing Christ, you know, when I have a meditation on the cross or on, you know, I see something, maybe even could be in a dream, there's something going on there, faith allows us to see in the unseen realm. And um, it's our mode of seeing. um, Though we cannot see him, we believe. We act on the belief. Um, Not only does this dark faith give God great pleasure that we act on this faith without seeing, but this type of faith produces a blessing and a reward in the age to come. So look at that scripture where Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So there is a reward for when we act in faith. Um, There is a, we take steps of faith, there's reward for that. And all of us have opportunity to take steps of faith every day. Like there is, um, I I mean, even just in context to the prayer room, I feel like I'm, (laughs) always taking steps of faith because on the out on on the one hand it just looks like I just feel like every time I put the flag up for like an internship of any kind I'm always like is anybody gonna come you know blah 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 right I just have the negative voice going on but I'm like no this is what the Lord is doing he's building prayer in the earth right and I encourage myself with Bible verses I put the flag up and I say we're doing an internship you know 
And the last time we had 10 people jump in. Totally surprised me, you know? And you're here because you came in the internship, you know? And so it's like those little steps of faith, God rewards our steps of faith. When we just believe and we just take a step of faith, you're like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm just going to, why not just take the step of faith, you know? What's the worst that could happen, right? Um, I'm sure you have your own, like, context for what steps of faith God is leading you to to do. And so I'd love to hear some of those. Maybe if we have time after, if you have one you want to share, I would love to hear about that. Um, paragraph D, hope. Okay, moving on to hope. This one's really powerful. Hope gives us unfailing support. Hope is the polar opposite of discouragement. Practically speaking, hope is the virtue needed to combat the attack of the enemy who wants to discourage us and get us to quit our assignment by disqualifying ourselves. Okay, discouragement comes from looking intently at our faults, our shortcomings, temptations, dry times in prayer. Um, but hope is gained by taking our eyes off of ourselves and focusing on the man Jesus. When we look at Jesus and his great love for us, we gain confidence. Um, in this confidence, any obstacle can be overcome and any sacrifice needed can be made. In this place, we overcome our struggles and in overcoming, we are crowned with victory and glory in the Lord. In contrast, when discouragement invades the soul, we lose energy, we get under the weight of condemnation, we feel like giving up, we, we're even confused about our calling. Um, it's really important to get grounded in the Word of God and believe it, <laughs> because this is where I am. This is where I gain hope. Is Bible verses, you know, like for what we do in here, there is Bible verses, you know, and you hear me say them all the time. But in every place, incense will go up and a pure offering. In every place. In the earth, incense will go up and a pure offering. Like the Lord is about this. He's about, I'm going to have a praying church. It's going to go global. You know, and, and there's many other verses. Isaiah 62, I've set watchmen on the wall who will not hold their peace. Day and night they will lift up their, their prayers. So um, there's this one. <laughs> Leviticus 6, the fire on the altar will be kept burning. It shall never go out, right? So the Lord is about this. And so what gives me hope, a lot of times, if I don't see the manifestation of what I think God is doing in front of me, like in the earth, happening now, right? But I have faith and believe it will come or is in the process of coming. I need Bible verses to also help me and encourage me and strengthen me to give me hope that the Lord is doing this. And it doesn't matter what I see or don't see right now. So I'm placing my faith and trust in the word of God, on the word of God. And it's like, that is such a solid foundation. You know, we can go for a lot of years in an empty prayer room with a few people with the word of God giving us these Bible verses. And we have gone a lot of years doing it. Because we haven't seen the full manifestation of what he's going to do in the earth. We, have, we don't see a praying church in a prayer culture globally. 
we see little glimpses of it coming, you know? But we don't, all of our churches don't have a prayer culture. Most of them, I would say, don't. At least the ones I know about. Maybe in other countries, they're, they have more of a prayer culture. I haven't been around the world to, to tell you, you know, what it's like in China or, you know, other places where they're just maybe praying all the time, maybe. I'm not sure. But I know in the United States, we need a lot more going on to get into a prayer culture because our culture has been mostly like come to the Wednesday night prayer meeting to pray for the service on Sunday, you know, and that's been kind of like there, there has, there's been a disconnect with prayer to know the man Jesus and prayer to give him off, you know, offer, offer him worship and, and, and our allegiance and our devotion night and day. I don't see that much of that going on. And yet that is what's happening in heaven, right? They're worshiping the man Jesus night and day, day and night. And the Lord's prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So on earth, that's what needs to happen on earth as it is in heaven is night and day worship of the man Jesus. So anyways, all that to say that Hope is critical, and we get this confidence when we are looking at Bible verses, pray reading them, and digesting them, and going, "This is truth. I am placing my trust on on the, you know, on what I am reading in this word. It doesn't matter what I see right now, because because at times there is a delay in the answers of God, you know, to our prayers." discouragement is always right there you know lurking like a you know like a demonic being just lurking to be like I'm taking you down I'm going to discourage you you know and and it's so easy to kind of spiral down that path and and then discouragement leads to like 10 other things that gets you in the pit right just a pit of despair which is not the Lord. He doesn't want us in that pit. There's no reason for us to be in that pit. He's done everything. He's overcome. He has, you know, he says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. So he has given us everything we need through the cross, through his word, to be uh, overcomers and to advance. And so... We have to like be diligent in looking at these Bible verses and putting our faith and trust and you know building those muscles of hope. We have to we have to work the muscle. Um, paragraph E: The more we advance in the spiritual life, the stronger must be our hope. Speaking of the spiritual muscles, like we must have a strong hope for the struggles become more terrible. The sacrifice is greater, the intimate, and the intimate operations of grace more profound and more difficult to understand. I, I, I know that's true. I, I see it all the time. The ways of God sometimes are such a mystery to our soul. When we go through dark nights, when we go through dry times in the place of prayer for a long period of time, and we're like, where is God? Why don't I see him? Why don't I feel him like I used to? Why isn't he answering my prayers? The delays in the place of prayer. All these things, 
right? They're all purposeful. They're so purposeful to advance us to the highest place of union with him. But when we don't know they're purposeful, we just think God's abandoned me, you know? And then we go down the spiral of discouragement to despair when he really has not abandoned us at all. He's actually calling us higher. He's calling us higher by letting us go through trials, right? We get where we need to be by going through stuff and becoming those overcomers. The book of Revelation, it has something like 22 rewards, but it has, you read it so much over and over, for those who overcome, for those who overcome, I will give, for those who overcome, for those who overcome, right? We're all meant to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And um, we all have things to overcome. But this is, um, back to paragraph, paragraph E, hope puts us in communion with the strength of the Most High. And he opens our souls to all the supernatural aids of which the Spirit is the living and inexhaustible source. Okay, so we... We get strength when we have hope. We're like, I can keep going. I don't need to quit. I can't tell you how many times I've been tempted to quit. A lot of times. And, and sometimes the struggle has been very intense. And what the enemies wanted me to do is disqualify myself. And I have actively had to resist that temptation. I will not disqualify myself and take myself out because it's not the Lord. It's not what God is doing. It's what I feel like I want to do because, you know, there's ten things in my head from the enemy that are like, who are you? What are you doing in this position? Why are you doing this, you know? Anyways, you it's you know the story. You guys probably have your own struggle, right? But um, we have to resist the enemy in that place because he actually has such a high call for each one of us, and we're all going to be tempted to quit and disqualify ourselves. And it's not the Lord. He he takes the weak and the broken, and he he makes them great. So if we're weak, if we're broken, if we if we feel like I'm not qualified we are qualified because we're qualified in Christ um, paragraph F the measure of love in a, in a soul is the measure in which the soul possesses the spirit of God another way you could say that is how docile you are to the Holy Spirit how submitted how yielded you are true devotion to the Holy Spirit is marked by a mutual love exchange between the soul and God as the love blooms and flowers in this exchange between the soul and God, acts of love are manifest. Promises made, daring prayers of sacrifice, declarations of whatever you want, God, here am I, send me, right? Have you ever prayed these crazy prayers and found yourself going, what am I praying? Like, but it's a Holy Spirit-led prayer? I remember praying to be a martyr before, and, and I was like, what am I praying right now? What am I saying? You know? But it's like there's these things that come out of us in devotion where we're so enamored with God that all of a sudden we're like, what do you want me to do? I'll go to the ends of the earth. What do you want me to do, Lord? I'll do it. You know, I'll give my life, whatever it is. And so 
this is the kind of thing that happens. It's a love story. And we're in love with someone who is God and man. And he's in love with us. And that is crazy. Like it leads you to pray crazy prayers. Crazy intense prayers, you know. We'll go night and day, God, you know. The Lord's like, I don't know. It's just. It's a love story, and it's, it's wild. Um, St. John of the Cross writes about these acts of love that I'm talking about, of the soul. And he says, Greater merit and worth than all that the soul may have done in its life apart from this transformation, however much this may be. In other words, one of these acts of love is worth more to the Lord than all of our good works, right, that we tried to do for God for many years. One of these acts of love that's bursting forth from the Spirit of God in us, the Lord's like, oh, I see that, you know? And um, it's what he's after, you know? We're, it's meant to be kind of wild and crazy. <laughs> he's a wild and crazy God. Um, if I could turn the page, page three. Here's another Luis Martinez quote. Frequently, souls lack the guidance of a clear ideal. They recognize their needs, they know the remedies, and they see, imperfectly at least, the path they must follow. But they are so weak, their courage fails at each step. They let time slip by without taking advantage of it, and they sadly behold the years passing with no personal progress in spite of their good desires and their holy intentions. What do they lack? a precise ideal and impelling force. If they would love, they would have an extraordinary power. So this is where we get power from on high. It comes from love. That's why Mike Bickle, he always says this, and it's a great statement, lovers make better workers than workers do. So true, God doesn't want employees he doesn't want employees. He wants lovers. Lovers are extravagant. Lovers would be like, I'll stay up all night with you. Oh, I would love to stay up all night with you, Lord. That's what a lover does, right? Um, charity, when it unites us to God, our end fixes our attention on the true ideal of our life. And because it is love, it communicates the supreme strength the only strength, one might say, that exists in heaven or on the earth. So love is a superpower. You know, we need hope to gain confidence. And then from that point, we need love to give us the power of God. Um, and you think about all the miracles Christ did. What was that out of? Tremendous love and compassion, right? His power was like, coming out of him because of love. It's like so many scriptures, and he healed them all, you know? That kind of thing. You're just like, whoa. Um, loving God is the first and greatest commandment in all scripture. It's the most precious right that we have. No one can take it from us. Okay, It's possible to love God in our hearts no matter what circumstances we're in. Slaves or free, right? No one can take that from us. 
If we choose to love God in spite of anything or everything that's going on, that is our right. We have that right given to us by God, and nobody can take that from us. There's not a government in the world that can take that from us. You know, as intense as, you know, communist governments are and that kind of thing, you hear of these Christians getting tortured and that kind of thing, they cannot take out what that person has inside of them that will not renounce Christ. They're like, I'm going to love Christ. I don't care if it costs me my life. That's powerful. It's like, even with everything against them, they're like, I have a right to love Christ and I'm going to exercise it. Done. Whoa. You know? That's powerful. It's, it's the power that comes from love. When we come to the one who is love, he takes pity on our miseries, he tenderly goes about healing them, transforming our miseries into his glory is a testimony of the immense goodness of God. And how much we see that, you know, that he, he does that. And, and there's, we all have a testimony. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And we have, each one of us has a testimony. And um, it's usually how he delivered us out of our misery, right? Because there's this plague of human, you know, there's sin. It's like we're all plagued, right, by the human condition. And God loves to deliver us out of that and then bring great glory to himself. And it shines. It's so powerful. He loves to do this for us. As weak and broken as we are, he loves us with all of his heart enough to become a human being and die for us, to have us forever as his love. That is astounding. Why would he want us? It's so, it's so odd. <laughs> the God of the universe, he wants to become human because he loves his creation. It's like, what? It's so out there. But it's true. Um, paragraph J, we come to God as we are in our state of brokenness. We do not wait till we are better or cleaned up to meet with him. We would never be ready to meet with him in that case. Despair would overtake us. Any good we have, anyway, right, it comes from God. He does not love us because we're good or pure. In fact, if we have any purity or goodness, it's a gift from him. He's not looking for anything from us than our yes to him. He wants our yes. With our yes, he can give himself to fill us with all the fruits of the Spirit and make us into the image of his Son, with whom he is well pleased. He's like, just give me your yes. I will transform you. I will make you into what I love the most, my Son, with whom I am well pleased. So... That is, you know, message number two. It's like message one is God's about reproducing Jesus in it in us. Message two is faith, hope, and love are the roadmap to get us there. And um, so I hope I hope something there was something.